Welcome to C3Well Conard. We hope you enjoy our latest Sunday message by Pastor Nick Hind. Got a uh, really key question for you as we start the message here today. And it's, it's a slightly scary one. It starts like this, if you were Jesus... Uh, you know, and then dot, 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 you could kind of run in all sorts of places there. But hey, the question today is, if you were Jesus, who would you pick first to be on your team? Now, I know I've, I've taken some of you back to those horrible high school moments of lining up, waiting to be picked. And if you were the last person picked, I'm so sorry. I know that might have been a traumatic uh, part of growing up. But if you were Jesus, who would you have picked? If you know a little bit about the disciples, uh, maybe certain names or fa- you know are coming to mind. Um, might know a little bit about their character, but uh, but who would you be looking for as the Son of God to be on the crack team that you were going to train up, s- devote yourself to for several years, and then release uh, onto the earth to begin the the church and to really carry the message uh, throughout generations? Who would you have picked? Would it be the the ones with their hands raised? You know, would it have been the the ones who, who looked the tallest or, or the most impressive? Perhaps the maybe the best looking ones would have been you know, the, the most easily accepted by others. Maybe it was the ones who spoke multiple languages or, or were just really persuasive. Maybe it's the ones who are pushing others out of the way to get to the, the front of the line. Maybe you'd look for the most caring and the most loving, the, the, the gentlest people in the room. Someone I don't think you would have picked, though. I don't know that you would have picked the quiet guy just sitting down the back of the room who was more than anything just making recommendations for the others as they sort of said, pick me, pick me. He'd be like, yeah, that guy would be great. Or, yeah, he's a really not. Oh, he's a good guy. Pick him, yeah. I don't know if it would be that guy, the guy who never puts himself forwards. Today, in our Unsung Heroes series, I want to talk about that guy. And his name is Andrew, one of Jesus' disciples. And we're going to unpack a little bit about what makes Andrew an unsung hero. You see, he would have been used to that sort of life, that, that life where other people probably got picked first. He, he grew up with a, a brother who was probably quite domineering. It would have been hard to stand out in his family. I guess maybe it was a little bit like the Hemsworth brothers. You know how you've got uh, Chris, the guy who gets to play Thor and lives at Byron Bay. Everybody knows him. And then there's a few other brothers and we're not really sure what they do, but every now and then they maybe in a commercial or do something vaguely remarkable, but everyone knows Chris Hemsworth, right? And that was probably Andrew's problem. You see, he had a brother who was a bit of a loudmouth. He had a brother who was always, you know, leaping into action before he'd ever thought uh, things through. And uh, he would have been used to playing second fiddle. He would have been used to tagging along behind his brother. He would have been used to walking in his shadow. And I could, you know, guess that right now uh, there'd be a bunch of people listening to this and that feels familiar you feel like maybe that's where you spend a lot of your life walking along in the shadows tagging along behind well this message is really going to encourage you and and the rest of us as well you know as we dig into Andrew's story a bit more we find something remarkable about him that I actually think speaks to and and involves every single one of us in the room wherever you're hearing this ultimately Andrew was interested in people 
And he became an incredible link in the chain. That's one of the thoughts we've been continuing through this series, that, that our call is to step in and be those links in the chain, those unsung heroes that are a part of the incredible message of faith in Christ that has gone down through generations to, through to us to this very day. Now, if we want to pick up the story a little more, we first hear about Andrew in John chapter 1. And he's, he's listed here as, surprisingly, one of John the Baptist's disciples. It seems that he left his birthplace of Bethsaida to see this fiery preacher from the wilderness who was known for, for this message of, of repentance and his baptism of repentance in the Jordan River down near Jericho and Jerusalem. Now, Jesus had recently entered the scene and John was declaring him as the Son of God, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John was felt his call and his mission from God was to announce the coming of this Jesus, this Messiah. And here he was. Jesus had burst onto the scene. And one day as this happened, we learned that two of John's disciples chased after Jesus and spent some time with him. Can you imagine what they spoke about? They come up and they, 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 say, they start following Jesus. He turns around, asks them what they're doing, and then he just sits down and spends the rest of the day with them. Can you imagine those conversations? Clearly, this had a profound impact. And we see here that Andrew is named one, as one of them. And we see an immediate response that, he's, that he makes. Let's have a quick look about this in John chapter 1. We pick it up from verse 35. It says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Sorry, John. <laughs> we picked a different team. They go and they follow Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following him and said, What do you want? They said, Teacher, where are you staying? He said, Come and you will see. So they went where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. So this is where we first come across Andrew. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that means Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him, at Peter, and said, you are Simon, son of Jonah, you will be called Cephas, which is translated as Peter. What, what an incredible moment here as the story gets going. We see Andrew first encountering Jesus, fascinated by him, spends some time with him. What is his immediate response? Hey, brother, whose shadow I've always been in. Hey, brother, who's usually the one out on the crazy adventures. Hey, brother of mine, you need to meet this guy. You need to meet Jesus. The, the other Gospels also record encounters Jesus has with Andrew and Peter, these two brothers, but by the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Here we, we read in the other Gospels where Jesus calls his first disciples. Uh, these first disciples are two groups of fishermen who we're, we're told are actually in partnership. So we've got Andrew and Peter, the two brothers, and then their partners, James and John. You might be starting to recognize some of these names. In fact, if I'd asked you to name the disciples, Probably most of us would have come up with Peter, James, and John. We might have gone on a bit longer and thought about the highlights and gone, oh, I guess the Judas guy, the one who betrayed Jesus. And then there was the doubting one. That's right, there was Thomas. And, you know, gone through these names. I doubt you would have thought of Andrew quite so easily. And so it's, it's possible that after the initial encounter that John records uh, of 
Andrew with Jesus down where John is baptizing by the Jordan River. It's possible that he's spent some time and, and learned a little bit from Jesus. Jesus begins his early ministry, but if you sort of join the dots, it sounds like perhaps for some reason uh, that, that Andrew has found himself back working uh, alongside his brother in their fishing business and partners with these guys called James and John. And then the, the, the Gospels record that Jesus comes along the, the shore of the Lake of Galilee and begins to call these men to be his disciples. And he issues that call, come and I will make you fishers of men. You know what's fascinating as these men are called into full-time discipleship is that so often these four are grouped together. When the disciples are listed, they're often listed in these groups of four. And so often it is Andrew, Peter, James and John. Now, the reason you probably recognize Peter, James, and John is that they were all, they're often regarded as Jesus' inner circle, that those three sometimes have gone with him into these miracle moments, that, that they are often sort of highlighted. Sometimes Andrew is referred to in there with them, but he's strangely not always in the heat of the battle. He's not always in those, uh, those moments that really stand out to us. Uh, and, and so you get this incredible impression of, of Andrew being the, the quiet guy, the, the one who was maybe the first to encounter Jesus. But he's actually quite humble and content to, to just be a bit of a, a background figure there, perhaps. It makes me think about those who've had that kind of impact in the lives of others. Maybe not the most impressive, but, but the, the ones who, just through being a link in the chain, have done incredible things. It makes me think about... Who was the person who first put a tennis racket in Roger Federer's hand? You know, who was the, who was the person? It was probably, I think it was his dad, but who first put a golf club in, in the hands of Tiger Woods, perhaps. Who, who were the people who introduced maybe the famous ones that we know about? Who were the ones who maybe were the, the first introduction? Or maybe their high school athletics coach. Or maybe just had that little influence in their lives that we'll probably never hear, hear about. But they're in the backstory of these heroes that we know a lot about. Now, we see two other really significant moments where Andrew is involved. Now, as well as his mention, and probably the last mention of him as being one of those who's waiting after Jesus has departed for the falling of the Holy Spirit, Andrew is in the upper room praying with the disciples. We don't hear about him as some heroic evangelist through the book of Acts. He's not showing up as a church planter, a missionary, or a, or a radical in those senses. It just seems that he seems to chart this, uh, this sort of unremarkable but straight and dependable path from early disciple to faithful follower of Jesus. It seems in a lot of ways that his story is quite unremarkable because we don't hear much about him. But I want to tell you it's anything but unremarkable. And it's so encouraging for, for us to this day. We actually pick up again in John chapter 6 with a little bit more of the story of Andrew. But guess what? Again, he is easily overshadowed uh, in the gospel accounts. For this, this chapter, uh, John 6, and also the, the corresponding chapters in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospels also include the miracle uh, of Jesus walking on the water. In fact, Matthew adds into it Peter walking on the water. You might know the story where he jumps out of the boat and thinks, oh, I could have a go at this as well. And he begins to walk out towards Jesus and he sinks in the waves. That's a, a, an incredibly Peter-like thing to do, to jump out before you really know what's going on, get into the mix of things and actually need Jesus to save you. And so that's easily the, the kind of overshadowing uh, you know, story in these passages. But it's actually the follow-on from a, a previous miracle in this chapter 
And, and this is a miracle that you might know of as well. And it's quite often referred to as the story of the five loaves and the two fishes. And we want to have a little look at this in John chapter 6. And you see, what we discover is that as Jesus is beginning to teach the people, uh, there is a crowd gathering. And this crowd is now starting to get hungry. It's getting late in the day. And the disciples, you know, good people, are worried about everybody having enough to eat, right? And so Jesus is teaching and they come up to him and say, well, there's an issue here. There's a whole crowd of hungry people. And in John chapter 6, Uh, verse 5 we pick up the story and Jesus uh, sort of looks at this great crowd coming to him and says to Philip where shall we buy bread for these people to eat he said this only to test him for he had already had in mind what he was going to do Philip answered him it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one just to have a bite okay so Philip Put him on your list of the disciples as well, if if you're taking notes. You probably didn't think about him uh, straight away either. So Jesus has recognized the need. So have the disciples. The question is, how are we going to feed all these people? And Philip, well, he doesn't have any answers. He just says, it's going to take way too much money, Jesus. Verse 8. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Go, Andrew. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. How far will this go amongst so many, though? And then if you know the story, Jesus goes on to say, sit the people down, and as they all took their places, Jesus took the food, gave thanks, and he began to break it up and distribute it, and there was enough food for everybody there as well as leftovers. And it was this incredible miracle. From there, actually, the disciples set out on the lake, and that's where, through the middle of the night, Jesus comes out walking on the water. This is another potential chance for Andrew to get overshadowed by the walking on the water bold style of his brother Peter. But what a powerful thing we discover here uh, about Andrew uh, is that he is the one who brings the boy to Jesus who has the five loaves and the two fishes. He, he pops up there and it's even listen to the way that he is referenced. It just says, Andrew, another one of the disciples, the brother of Peter. He's so unremarkable that he has to be just mentioned as one of the crowd. Oh yeah, and if you're not sure who he is, he was Peter's brother. Oh, that kid, the one down the back of the room who never says much. That's right. It's that guy there. However, he is this incredible link in the chain here. He's the one who brings the kid with the five loaves and the two fishes. And that is a story that is known throughout the world and a miracle of incredible provision that really that, that signified Jesus out in, in John's Gospels, one of the signs that shows that he is the Son of God. You know, there's two things actually that, that surprise and, and fascinate me about this story. The first one is that Andrew is connecting somebody with Jesus. He's bringing this boy to Jesus. He is this amazing link in the chain. The second thing is that we see Philip and Andrew connected here as well. And I want to explore that a little bit more as we go on further. See, this is Andrew's sweet spot. Andrew is a connector. When he first meets Jesus, he goes and gets his brother Peter. And now that there is a a need, Andrew knows where the solution can begin from. He often doesn't know the, the full picture, but he's the guy who says, oh, let's get this started. Here's a kid with some food. What can we do with that? Andrew must have been an incredible people person. He just seems to have the knack of listening, you know, of observing, maybe sitting in the background and figuring out what is going on. He's got that ability to see the needs of others and to maybe just sort of join the dots. You know, those people perhaps in your world, maybe you're one of them who just are always a step ahead. You've seen somebody's need and you're anticipating it. 
You're not overlooking people, but you're seeing the details and you're figuring out how to draw people together. Andrew must have been an incredible people person. In the midst of a crowd of 5,000, and it's likely that referred to just the men, this might have been 10 to 20,000 people. Uh, and the Messiah is preaching and the disciples are there probably doing crowd control and you know, thinking this is pretty cool, we're celeb- minor celebrities now. What's Andrew done? He's, he's found time to, to strike up a conversation you know, with, this, with this young kid. And, and somehow he's, he's you know, and got enough of, of a relationship with his kid already that, that the kid's quite willing to share his lunch with him. I wonder if they, you know, the kids got fish in there. Andrew was a fisherman. I wonder if they talked about that. Maybe Andrew was teaching him how to tie knots and, you know, telling him stories of wild nights on the seas. But however it is, Andrew has gained this boy's trust and he brings him to Jesus. Now, if you've ever tried to talk a kid out of their lunch, you know that this is no easy feat. Andrew must have been an amazing people person. You know, a, a few chapters later, again in John's Gospel, we hear a little bit more uh, about uh, Andrew. And, and what is recorded in John chapter 12, uh, it, again, the Andrew shows up alongside Philip. And if we uh, jump through there now to John chapter 12, uh, what we discover is that there's some other people who are seeking out Jesus. And uh, they, we're told that these are, are Greeks, actually. And this is significant because these are, I guess, what you would have called Gentiles, okay? And so these Gentiles have come uh, to, to seek Jesus and to meet with him. And what we discover uh, is <clears throat> that they're looking for Jesus and they somehow come across uh, this guy called Philip. It says in verse 20 of John 12, Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship, and they came to Philip who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. Now remember, that's Andrew's birthplace, okay? Just, just kind of bookmark that one. Philip, they came to Philip uh, with a request, Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Now, if you remember back, what did Philip do uh, when there were lots of people to be fed? He sort of went, I don't know how we're going to do this. What does he do in this situation? So they say, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. What does Philip do? Verse 22, Philip went to tell Andrew. <laughs> and so Andrew and Philip went to Jesus. Isn't that fascinating? Someone comes to Philip and says, we want to meet Jesus. And Philip says, I know a guy. He's one of the disciples as well. He could have introduced him. Andrew. Andrew's the connector. Andrew is the people person. Andrew is the one who brings people to Jesus. This is an incredible role that this guy plays. Now, I I want to uh, just sort of jump on that theme for a little bit more because I'm fascinated by the way Andrew and Philip keep sort of showing up together. And if we go back into John 1 where we first meet Andrew, if you pick up in verse 43, Just after Andrew has introduced his brother Simon uh, to Jesus, it says that Jesus there goes to Galilee and he finds Philip. He goes to this town Bethsaida and he finds Philip. It's sort of like, why Philip out of the entire crowd? I mean, here's my thinking. And you see this incredible chain. Andrew meets Jesus. Jesus introduces Peter. Then for whatever reason, Jesus goes to, to Andrew's hometown And he finds a guy called Philip. And then Philip tells another guy called Nathaniel. And on it goes. And there's this link. And the disciples start to to come into contact with Jesus. I reckon Andrew knew Philip. Philip might have been one of Andrew's childhood friends. Andrew has most likely introduced Philip to Jesus. And this is stuck in Philip's mind. And so wherever there's someone who needs to meet Jesus, he goes, man, Andrew is the guy for the job. You know, there's so many interesting connections, but, but what I see more than anything else is that Andrew is someone who connects people to Jesus. And I think there's so much we can learn from him. 
You know what Andrew does? He sees opportunities. He doesn't overlook the small moments, just looking for the glory moments that some of the other disciples were a bit more likely to do. Andrew sees the small moments. He sees the overlooked people. He sees the, the kid with the lunchbox in the crowd of thousands and thinks there's something happening here. He knows how to deal with people from other cultures as the Greeks, the Gentiles come in. He's one of the guys who can connect people cross-culturally to Jesus as well. He, he goes beyond the normal prejudices, the normal barriers that could have been set up in people's lives. He is incredibly faithful. He's just always there. He's the first disciple and he's right there in the upper room as well. And he's rarely at the peaks. He's rarely in the midst of, of what is going on. But he's always that incredible link in the chain. He was faithful, but he was also faith-filled. He was faithful, but he was also faith-filled. And I want to encourage everyone to think about how we can be a bit more like Andrew. How, how can we do the journey of faith? being faithful throughout all of our days. But how can we also be faith-filled, knowing that if there is a need, we can bring people to Jesus, knowing that, 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 that what we have discovered in Him, He wants other people to know as well. And here's the thing, do we get caught up waiting for the perfect moment? Do we forget what we have and just not tell others about the goodness of God? Do we move so quickly that we don't see the needs of people? Do we not stop long enough to hear the cry of their hearts? Do we keep people at arm's length because maybe they're not like us and there's these funny thoughts going on in our heads? Do we, or can we step out in faith and be a part of what God is doing? Do we overcomplicate the, the gospel and get bogged down? Or can we just bring people to Jesus because he is powerful and he has the answers? Do we spend time with Jesus, not just for Jesus? Can we be those who step out in faith? Or are we going to hold back because of fear or maybe be complacent? Let's be Andrews. Let's take a chance on other people. Let's be humble and maybe most of the time live what might seem like unremarkable lives, but, but find ourselves the link in the chain. Find ourselves like these unsung heroes as we point people to Jesus Christ. You know, Andrew had the keys that unlocked others. He brought out the best in people. He, he connected people to Christ and incredible things happen. What small steps of faithfulness can you and I commit to that are going to have huge results? Let me say that again. What small steps of faithfulness can you and I commit to that are going to have incredible kingdom results that we may not ever see or know about? Or it may take a long time for us to realize these things. But if we can be faithful and faith-filled, we can be bringing people to Jesus. You see, the remarkable thing about Jesus is he doesn't see people the way we do. He doesn't judge you and I the way that the world does. He's not as impressed by your achievements as, as others might be. And he's also not, not as scared off by your frailties and your failures as other people might be. He looks past the prejudices of others. He doesn't rate or prioritize or push you aside like others might. He's not asking you who you're not, not setting impossible challenges for, for you to try and be part of. Doesn't ask you to be part of the in crowd to come to him. He, he just wants to know you and he wants you to know him. Wouldn't it be incredible if you and I could be a bit more like Andrew and introduce other people to this Jesus? Wouldn't it be incredible if you discovered maybe for the very first time this Jesus and could share the good news about him with others? You don't have to be a hero. You don't have to be 
out in front. You don't have to be the risk taker. You don't have to be the first kid to get picked on the team. You and I are called to a life of faithfulness and to live faith-filled and walk in an incredible relationship with Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to our Sunday message. If you would like to find out more about our church, visit www.c3belconnen.org.au.